Oh God, who have we in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that we desire besides you. Our flesh and our heart may fail, but you are the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. And we do pray that you would strengthen us now and that you would give us your spirit that we may understand your word and and even uh, grow in knowledge of this common problem of anger. And that we would fellowship with you as we consider what you say. God, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I know I just briefly introduced myself. Some of you know me a little bit better. I've got some church members here, some friends who are here. Um, but I thought maybe I'd share just a little bit more. This seems like a safe place uh, in this room where uh, the mercies of Christ are extended. And in this room full of people who are giving their lives to give hope to others and to help others. My name is Ryan, and I'm an angry man. It's been a few hours since my last struggle. Um, And I mean that literally. Uh, This morning, when the alarm clock went off at 5, I said out loud, why? Um, You see, all all this week I've been in Phoenix um, training preachers and being trained in preaching. We've been in the book of Revelation all week long, which I don't know if you're familiar with that book. Um, but it's weird, it's wild, um, it, it was a wonderful week, um, but it was a demanding week, and I got home late last night at, at 11 o'clock, finally got to see my kids and my wife, and then went to sleep barely, and got up at 5, and I'm just saying, I had some anger when the alarm clock went off. Now, I'm not angry now. I'm happy to be with you here today. But I just want you to know, my name is Ryan. I'm an angry man, and it's just been a few hours since my last struggle. Now, I know um, from the the kind of churches that that people who come to this kind of thing um, come from, we're not very interactive, maybe. We're not known for that in in church, but when I say my name is Ryan, I'm an angry man, and it's been a few hours since my last struggle. That's the part where you're supposed to say, "Hi, Ryan. My name is," and say your name. The original AA could have been called Angry Anonymous. And the reason you should say, hi, Ryan, after I introduce myself is because you all belong in that meeting just like I do. I know I don't know most of you. And I hope that my suggestion that you are an angry person doesn't... When we think of people who have an anger problem, uh, what, what naturally comes to our minds is the road raging guy or the door slamming woman or the temper throwing athletes. But if we will let the Bible read us, I think we'll also see anger in that husband who withdraws from his family because he's not pleased with how his wife is treating him. Or the wife who shuts her mouth but rolls her eyes. Or we would see anger in the church member who seems to 
and every prayer request shared in the prayer meeting be really just criticizing other people. If we will let the Bible read us. Listen what to what the Bible says in James chapter 1 verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It is a common experience for us to be angry. And it is just as common that when we're angry, we are not living out the righteous way that God would have us live. So I think God's word would lead us in the direction that if those kind of in the know who think God's thoughts after him, we will be wary of of anger. Every single time, every single day, that life is not going our way. And I don't know about you, but life often doesn't go my way. And when that happens, and someone asks me the question, that question that God asked to Cain that question that he also asked to Jonah. Why are you angry? Uh, Whenever I'm asked that question, do you know what I do? I I, I, I don't say I'm angry. I've got other words for this kind of thing. I'm not angry. Have you noticed this in yourself and in others? Immediately when that kind of label is put on us, we... We want to find another one like frustrated or disappointed. But what is it that God sees in us? And it probably is the same thing that he saw in Jonah whenever he was pouting. And Cain whenever he was plotting. It's not just though that pouting and and Jonah is is in God's eyes wrongfully angry. It's not just that the plotting that God saw in Cain is wrongfully angry, but wrongful anger, according to Jesus, earns us the most severe judgment. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five. In verse 21, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. That's something we have no trouble understanding. You break the sixth commandment and you're liable for judgment. But listen to what Jesus says. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool because they're angry in their hearts will be liable to the hell of fire. Anger if we're just paying attention to Scripture, is something that seemingly everyone deals with. And yet, we we do need to understand this. Not all anger is sin. I mean, it was for Esau whenever he was angry that Jacob had... the way that he expressed it anyway when Jacob stole his birthright. But it wasn't sinful anger when the Lord was angry with Moses... In Exodus chapter 4, whenever Moses was uh, being sent by God out to serve the Lord, and he doubted that God would enable him, the Lord was angry, and he was right to be. And Moses joined the Lord in anger, in a righteous anger, whenever in Exodus 32, Israel made an idol of the Lord. And that golden calf. 
We're told a couple of chapters later that the Lord is slow to anger. And yet, as the people grumbled in the wilderness about not having meat, the Lord's anger burned. So anger is not always sinful. And and we've just considered anger and a few occurrences in the first few books of the Bible. But actually, anger is all over the Bible. And that there's a reason for that, because God is angry with sinners. God in His righteousness responds to, to people not acknowledging that He is the Lord, not thanking Him for all of what He provides for us, not honoring Him, not obeying Him, and He is angry with sinners. Anger is all over the Bible, not just because God is angry with sinners, but it's also all over the Bible because man is made in the image of God. And therefore, we get angry. That's part of just being the image of God, uh, part of being being created to be like Him and to represent Him in this world is that we will experience the things that He experiences, including anger. But anger is all over the Bible, not just because God is angry with sinners, not just because we've been made in the image of God and therefore we get angry at times, but man is sinful and so we sin in our anger. I'm sure you've heard this before, but you and I are not sinful because we have sinned. We sin because we are sinful. In, in our nature, we're sinful. And so we should then expect that our anger at times and perhaps often will be sinful. But the good news is, because anger is all over the Bible, that means we have all kinds of instruction on how we can think about anger and how we can respond to anger. It also means that we have hope that God can redeem our anger. That even when we experience anger, and even if we go wrong in our anger, God in His grace can redeem our anger. Let me give you a definition of anger, and this comes from Robert Jones from his book, Uprooting Anger. And much of what I want to share with you for the rest of the time um, is, is unpacking some of the ideas in that great book, Uprooting Anger by Robert Jones. Here's the definition of anger. I found this really helpful. Anger is the whole personed active response to a negative moral judgment against a perceived evil. Anger is the whole personed active response to a negative moral judgment against a perceived evil. I want to break that down. Anger is the whole personed. Uh, that, that means that anger is not just about our actions. It's not just about a person's actions. Anger, in the, in the, in the eyes of God, it, it gets down beyond the rolling of the eyes. It, it, it gets beyond the slamming of the door. It gets beyond the, the tone of voice. All of that, what is it Jesus says? Where, where, does, where do those things come from? I mean, we would say it came because you did this to me. But in fact, Jesus says, no, 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 there's, there's nothing. In Matthew 15, he says, there's n- none of those evil things that defile us come from outside of us. That doesn't mean evil's not outside of us. But what defiles us before God are the things that flow out of our hearts. And that's where the actions come from. So anger is a whole person thing, not just our actions, but what's going on in our hearts, what's the state of our souls. And, and, and therefore, we should understand that 
Every single instance of our anger is spiritually significant. It matters to God how we respond when life doesn't go our way. But then this second part of the definition, it's an active response. I think naturally and certainly from a worldly perspective, when we think of anger, we're thinking purely of emotions. We, we, we think of it as an emotional thing. And modern psychology would have us understand that it's only an emotional thing. But anger is more than an emotion. Anger is active. Robert Jones puts it this way, anger is not just something we have. It's something we do. We act when we're angry. And so it doesn't ultimately matter what label we are comfortable with, whether it's I'm offended, I'm frustrated. When we're angry, we are not passive. We are not just receiving what someone else is doing. We are active. We are actors. It's an active response. It, it not just being a passive thing that happens to us means also that no one can make you or me angry. People can provoke us to anger. People can do all kinds of things to tempt us toward anger. But no one can make us angry. And the last part of the definition, anger is a an active a whole person active response to a perceived evil. That seems obvious. What would make us angry? It, it's that something evil has happened, but it's a perceived evil. And when we acknowledge that, we we just have to start evaluating how good we are at perceiving. One distinction between our anger and God's anger is that every evil that God perceives is actual evil. When when he perceives evil, when he gets angry, it's because that thing is really evil. And that's not necessarily the case for what we judge to be a negative moral thing or perceive something to be evil. Just just take a couple of passages in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Listen. Listen to what God says in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who call light darkness and darkness light. God is not just saying that it's possible for humans out there, you know who they are, who call evil good and good evil. I mean, he's, he's written this to the nation of Israel. He's not talking about the Egyptians, the Assyrians. He's talking about his own people and And that can be true even of us on our own. It is entirely possible we perceive evil of things that actually aren't. But then another obvious passage is Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? 
Can you accept that? Can you accept that description of your heart? That it is possible that we can be really confident that something is evil, really confident that something is wrong, and be deceived. And yet, not all of our evil or anger is is sinful. Humans can still perceive evil rightly. We, we are angry when we perceive evil, and sometimes we're not wrong. I mean, obviously, we can take the God-man, Jesus Christ. And he drove the money changers out of the temple. And we're told that he did that with righteous zeal, a righteous anger. He was angry because God's very people had turned God's place, God's house into a worldly market. I mean, even even King Saul, wicked King Saul, the first king of Israel, was capable of righteous anger. And we see that in 1 Samuel chapter 11. He displayed a righteous anger whenever Nahash, the Ammonite, threatened God's people. We are told that the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul. And in his angry response, he was also righteous. Um, But he didn't stay that way very long. He was a very angry man. And most of his anger was unrighteous. So that his son, Jonathan, we're told in 1 Samuel 18 and 20, has fierce anger with Saul because Saul is sinfully angry against David and against Jonathan for being loyal to David. So. This is uh, an introduction to this topic biblically of anger. Um, I hope you're convinced that that this is an issue we all need to be concerned about, not just for our counselees, but for us as counselors, for us as humans, for us as those who want to please the Lord. And he tells us, be angry and do not sin. In Ephesians chapter 4. In the book Uprooting Anger, Robert Jones, he notes that of the 47 times that the main Old Testament word for anger shows up out of 47 times, 42 of those times refer to anger that God says is wrong. 42 out of 47. When I read that and as I evaluated my own anger, I wonder if it's possible that my experiences of anger and expressions of anger follow a similar kind of trajectory, a similar kind of percentage that maybe 90% of the time that I'm angry, I'm also sinning. I wonder if you're open to that idea for yourself. Well, how is it we, we can experience anger and not sin in our anger? For the rest of our time, I want to unpack three tests to answer one question. Are you right to be angry? Okay, three tests that that come from um, this book, Uprooting Anger. Three tests for passing or answering this question. Are you right to be angry? God graciously came to Cain whenever he was, a, was angry at his brother and asked him, are you right to be angry? He graciously came to Jonah and he asked Jonah, are you right to be angry? I think whenever life doesn't go our way, however we normally express our anger, we would be right to imagine God graciously coming to us with that question. Are you right to be angry? Here's test number one. You're right to be angry if you're offended by sin. You're right to be angry if you're offended by sin. We get angry whenever we perceive that evil has been done. Now, how do you know that evil has been done? 
I, I want you to like go back to page two of your Bibles. In, in Genesis chapter two, do you remember in that garden full of trees that God graciously granted to Adam and Eve? He said, there's one tree that's not yours. There's one tree that's mine. And it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, that is the tree that Eve and her husband ate of. Imagining that they could and being, being uh, desiring to, to become God by taking of that tree. In other words, they wanted, we now want to decide for ourselves between good and evil. But I just want you to remind you from the very beginning, the only one with that knowledge is God. And we are to be those who have always just been content to listen to him. That's his knowledge of good and evil. I'll find that out by whatever he tells me. So the knowledge of what is sinful comes from God's word. So a good question. Every time uh, we see a wrong and it produces anger in us is does God say this is evil like do, do I have do I have reason from scripture to think that this this kind of thing is wrong and the more you kind of test your own anger maybe maybe you'll realize what I have and and, and that is that God often does not agree with me about what is wrong think about Jonah I mean, did Jonah have reason to not like Nineveh? Yes. I don't know if you said it. I just heard it in your hearts. Uh, Yes, you agree with me. Jonah had reason to not like Nineveh. The Ninevites had a rap sheet as long as the Tigris. That's a little little river (laughs) in Nineveh. The Assyrians were notoriously cruel. They were a merciless people. He had lots of reasons not to like Nineveh. But was Jonah right to be angry in Jonah chapter 4 after Jonah chapter 3 whenever he preached judgment upon Nineveh and they end up repenting and then he starts pouting and God comes to him and says, are you right to be angry? The answer is no. It was not Nineveh's sin that was angering Jonah then. It was God's grace that was angering Jonah. He was angry that God would not will what Jonah willed. The problem was that God showed mercy to the wrong people. And that came into conflict with Jonah's craving for judgment. And so we're told Jonah was exceedingly angry. I just want to encourage you to start regularly asking yourself the question. And even in the counseling room, we can ask the question, what really are you angry about? And we really need to ask that question because... We can just assume, yeah, we know everyone does wrong, but that doesn't mean that explains why you're mad at them. And that doesn't justify whatever you do in response to it, even if they are wrong. Here's what Robert Jones says, righteous anger reacts against actual sin. If we could see our anger rightly, we may see often that we're not actually angry because, you know, one of God's Ten Commandments was broken. But rather one of our 100 preferences were neglected. We're not right in our anger if we're angry about anything other than sin against God. Now, that doesn't mean we can't be angry when someone sins against us or 
someone sins against someone we love. God would be angry whenever anyone sins and, and hurts others. But uh, I want to go to Psalm 51. If you, if you can, turn there just briefly. Psalm 51. We have in Psalm 51 a great model for the kind of contrition, the kind of sorrow that we should have whenever we've committed sin, the supplication of praying to God and and acknowledging our sin and requesting forgiveness. And this is what David says in verse 4. Against you, Lord, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. That's David's perspective. Is that sin first and foremost is is ultimately committed against God. And I just want you to notice at the beginning of that psalm, in the little ascription right before verse 1, which is inspired, this ascription, it's in the original text, when it is that David said, against you and you only have I sinned. It's when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Interesting time to say against you and you only have I sinned when he obviously sinned against Bathsheba and killing her husband, sinned against Uriah and killing him. And yet this is the perspective. Every sin is first a sin against God. So the next time you're angry, evaluate, has God said this is wrong? Would he say he was wronged by this? Or have has this person just inconvenienced me? Now, that's test number one out of three. I think test number one is the easiest to, to pass. So I think oftentimes when life doesn't go your way and you're feeling a little something, you're often going to feel like, okay, we're moving. Uh, Check test number one. Passed. Now, I couldn't say that this morning when the alarm went off. I don't think anyone was sitting against me when I ever I had to get up early. So you're not always going to pass it, but it's the easy one to pass. This world is full of sin. And yet passing the first test is not enough, brothers and sisters. Even if our anger starts right, that doesn't mean it's going to stay right. We've got to do more than just open John 2 whenever someone says, why are you so angry? First of all, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated because of you. Well, are you right to be angry? Did you not see Jesus in John chapter 2 throwing up the tables? We've got to have more tests than the fact that the God-man the one who God trusts to save humanity, um, that he got angry. But oftentimes it just stops there with this idea of what I was angry about, God would be angry about. And I can show you a passage in Scripture which would say, he says this is sin. We need more tests. And so we, the second test Are you right to be angry? Is your right to be angry if you're focused on God when you're angry? Whoa. This one's tough. Your right to be angry if what you're focused upon when you're angry is God. 
we have to be concerned. We make it our aim to please Him. We have been saved from neglecting Him. We've been saved from living for ourselves. We have to be concerned not only with what provoked our anger, but also with who we are thinking about when we're angry. We've been saved from self-focus. Robert Jones puts it this way, righteous anger focuses on God and His kingdom, on His rights, on His concerns. And righteous anger does not focus on me and my kingdom and my rights and my concerns. This is a test that questions who it is that is dominating my thoughts when I'm angry. Is it me, the one who was wronged? Or is it when I'm angry, am I thinking about them and all the things they did wrong and who they are to me and how they should have treated me differently? Or is what's dominating my mind God whenever I'm angry? Who we are focused on when we're angry is a test that I think is, is plays out in the rest of Scripture. So you're right to be angry if you're focused on God. Consider Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You understand what that means? That means even if we're doing good things and not bad things, if we're not doing those things by faith, that, that we're convinced this is pleasing to God. We're motivated. This is what He wants. I'm aiming in doing this good thing to please God and to honor God. Without that kind of faith, He said to do it. He, I'm doing it for His glory consciously. I'm, 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 I'm trying to serve Him in this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That has to also mean without faith throughout our anger. Faith-filled anger, it would be impossible to please God in our anger, even if we start out by being angry about the things that He would be angry about. Or, take 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Why, why does he say, before explaining do all to the glory of God, he reaches... For, for, for such a mundane experience, such a common experience of eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God. So, when you get angry, do that anger to the glory of God. This one really, this one really gets me. How often I'm angered even even when someone someone's sinning against me and I recognize what against the Lord ultimately they've sinned. But then From then on, all my thoughts are focused on me. How could they do this to me? Look at all I've done for them. Look at what they're saying about me by treating me like this. And I'll just confess, I, my guess is I'm not alone in this, but I'm... I, I, I'm a preacher of God's word. I have a commitment to the truth. So let me tell you the truth about me. In my worst moments, in my most angry moments, I can tell you, I am regularly thinking very little about God. I'm rarely 
I'm, I'm often not thinking about the honor that he's due. I'm often, when I'm angry, not thinking about how to serve him in my disappointments. We should focus, when we're angry, on what God deserves and on what he wants. And I'm sure there's all kinds of ways that we can do that. And the circumstances of our anger are going to determine what exactly we should focus on whenever we're focused on God and our anger. But I want to give you some specifics, some, some possibilities. In the midst of anger, we should focus on God's rights. That, like That's the thing that should be rattling around in our, our mind whenever we're angry about the right things is what God deserves. And don't focus then on what we deserve how worthy we are, or sometimes in my anger and my discouragement because of how someone's treating me, I just start thinking about the other thing, which is my unworthiness. And that too is the wrong focus in our anger and in our disappointment. We should focus not only on God's rights, but we should focus on God's kingdom. Wouldn't this be a helpful thing to focus on whenever things aren't going your way? to focus on the fact that he's the king, to focus on the fact that he is powerful, to focus on the fact that he can rule even in this situation such that he's going to guarantee for all those who love him, he's going to bring good out of this. We should focus in our anger on God's rights, God's kingdom, and also on God's concerns. On God's concerns. When we're angry, let's not forget. We need not forget that God is concerned that we not be bitter. That this anger doesn't lead us to a kind of crippling bitterness. An anger that refuses to act in faith and in righteousness. To do good to even the person who has wronged us. We should focus on his concerns for how we handle our disappointment and his concerns that we not have an unforgiving spirit and his concerns that that we be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers for they are the ones who will be called the sons of God. They are the ones who are like the son of God who gave his life to those who wronged him in order to make peace between them and God. But also, what does Ephesians 2 teach us? That His blood broke down the wall of hostility, not just between us and God, but between us and one another. He is concerned that we be peacemakers. That's two tests out of three. Being offended by sin... And not by someone transgressing my preferences or transgressing my ability to handle this right now or whatever. And the second one is we're angry. While we're angry, we're focused on God. I want you to notice that those first two tests can can kind of be evaluated and and even passed internally. They're, they're, they kind of speak to our internal experience of anger, if I can put it that way, our internal experience of anger. But the third test evaluates our external expression of anger. In other words, we can experience anger carefully and then express it Sinfully. So, test number three. You're right to be angry if the fruit of your anger is godly or righteous. You're right to be angry if the fruit of your anger is godly. We can pass both tests of experiencing anger internally in ways that are pleasing to the Lord. Like just imagine what we're angry about is what is a wrong that he feels wronged in. 
And imagine what is filling our mind or thoughts of God and not, not of us. And then we have to express it. Righteous anger can be ruined once it leaves us and is expressed outwardly. If it's expressed in any way that God would not approve. Here's what Robert Jones says. Righteous anger is accompanied by other godly qualities and expresses itself in godly ways. I told you the second test really gets me. And then when I read the third, this this little quote here, righteous anger is accompanied by other godly qualities and expresses itself in godly ways. I nearly threw the book in the fireplace and burned it to the ground. Um, I coach uh, my boys in soccer, and uh, one of the soccer teams I coach is the Christian public school or private school in, um, in Graham. And we were at this Christian private school soccer game, <laughs> and I'm the coach. And uh, we were playing another Christian private school. And this other team had been quite rough. And I was a, a little bit nervy because my my son has like broken his arm two years in a row playing soccer. And so I'm, I'm a little bit sensitive, a little bit punchy when it comes to roughness unnecessarily on the soccer field. And in this game where these guys have been really rough, we had this really young and small player who was just laid out and he's a tough kid and he was he was just writhing on the ground crying and the other coach who's standing about 20 yards from me starts yelling out he's faking he's faking nothing happened and i turned over that guy who had just shake shaken his hand earlier and said good to have you good to host you here But when he did that, I looked over at him and I said, you don't know who he is. I know you don't know who he is, but I know who he is. And he's not faking it. That there's no reason for that whatsoever out here. And he just looked at me sheepishly and then was quiet. Now, test number one. Am I upset about something that God would be upset at? Well, okay, we're talking about the kid being laid out. I don't, I don't know if that player was sinning against my player by laying him out. It could have been an accident. What about the coach? That's who I was angry with. Um, I think he was angry. I think he was angry and yelling it like that. I think he was sinfully angry. Um, he was angry about the wrong thing. Um, so I think, I think, let's just give me test number one. Can you all give me test number one and say I passed test number one, please? Test number two, uh, you focused on God, his rights, his concerns, and his kingdom. Leave. I uh, don't think I thought of them once. So I think, no. I, I. And then you get to test number three. You're right to be angry if the fruit of your anger is godly. And I'm guessing the look on my face um, and the tone of my voice, um, I can do better than guess. It was not expressed in a godly way. And I don't know if you are familiar with soccer, but after a soccer game, the players and the coaches shake hands and they say things like, good game. So I'm gearing up for it. And I'll walk across this deal and I'm, I'm going to say good game like I always do. And um, that coach stopped me and he said, hey, listen, I was totally, I was totally wrong. You're right. Um, I don't know him. I just got worked up in the game. And I'm sorry for that. I want you to know I, I feel badly about it. And I said, oh, it's okay, man. And I walked away. And my guess is um, he, he had reason to feel better about how that ended up than I did. I felt pretty badly for a while. But, um, you know, whenever we're angry, I don't know about you, but I, I can become 
I can draw up kind of these immunity agreements um, where I'm immune to any kind of charges because I got angry about the right thing or whatever, and that guy was totally wrong. But what if all the defenses that we raise, what if all the immunity agreements that we're so expert at drawing up, what if they're not admissible in God's court of law? Where is it that we got this conviction that being hurt gives us license to hurt? Where, 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 where did this come from, this thing that's inside all of us, where we say, I was sinned against and therefore I'm, it doesn't matter what I do. Like, like all of a sudden, any evaluation of me has to hit pause and I can just do whatever I want because they wronged me. Have you recognized how easy it is for you to go from the role of being offended? And I think God would agree that you have been offended, but then how quickly we can become the, the offender? Am I alone up here? Do you not experience this? When, when, when someone wrongs you and they should confess their sin to you, how easy it is for us as sinners to then become the one who needs to confess now. And we need to confess to God and to, to anyone who witnessed these things or anyone we wronged with our ungodly anger. Even the one who maybe started it. Whenever we then express our godly anger in a sinful way. Don't forget this, whenever we're angry, um, until death or until glory, there are two powers that are at work inside every, even Christian heart, and only Christian heart. It's the, it's, not, it's the Spirit of God, but it's not just the Spirit of God, it's the flesh. And so one, one passage that I think will be really helpful to us in evaluating our anger and whether it stays right in the way that we express it is Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Where the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit are laid out. Whenever we're angry, whenever we don't get our way, whenever we don't do well at work, whenever someone else gets what we wanted, whenever we're not treated as we want to be treated or, or not treated the way that we just treated that person. Here's the question. Are the works of the flesh what's coming out of me? Or are the fruit of the Spirit being displayed and expressed in my response? The works of the flesh, they're evident. They're just obvious. You can see them just like you can see the fruit of the Spirit. Just like you can walk up to an apple tree and see apples. Verse 19 of Galatians 5, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's not everything. There's other things like that. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Even if we're angry about God being offended. Even if we're focused upon God in our thoughts. If we then act in such a way that is is more evident of rivalry or dissension or divisions or envy, strife and jealousy, that internal experience of anger gets ruined by the external expression of the anger. If when we're angry, we act out in sexual immorality, it doesn't matter what made you or what tempted you toward anger in the first place. Acting out in that way now, our anger has gone sinful. So, you know, violence 
is some, sometimes a way that, that people respond in anger. We associate certainly those who are violent with being angry. But rolling our eyes, huffing, giving the silent treatment, writing others off, Those are fleshly expressions of strife, rivalries, dissension, and divisions. The fruit of our anger should be godly. Which means someone else's sin will not excuse our losing the fruit of the Spirit patience. Or suspending faithfulness to them. Because that's the Spirit working faithfulness toward the people who are unfaithful to us. When we're angry, love should characterize our response. Kindness should characterize our response. Being hurt does not make everything you do when you're hurt right. What we do when life goes wrong really matters to God. So when you're angry, are you right? And it's a good it's a good these are good tests to get Get way down in there. Because if you're like me, anger's coming soon. Even the sweetest children get angry. And I've got really sweet children. My son recently was reflecting on being none too pleased by the correction that he received for something that he did wrong. And in his anger, he just kept committing more and more wrong. And therefore, he needed more and more correction. And when he was no longer angry, I was talking to him about this. And and he admitted to me, I should not trust my heart when I'm angry. And I said, Amen, son. And neither should I. The angry heart should not be trusted. When it comes to anger, we want to start right and stay right. So the next time you're angry, let me just give you these three questions kind of phrased differently and more simply. The next time you're angry, ask yourself these three questions. Number one, why am I offended? Why am I offended, really? And don't listen to yourself in the first two reasons you give yourself. (laughs) Number two, who is the focus? And number three, what is the fruit? Why am I offended? Who is the focus? And what is the fruit? I want to, we have just a minute or so, but I do want to give good news for those who are like me, who are often sinfully angry. 1 John 4, verse 10, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. I understand that God is angry toward sinners for the personal sins they've committed against Him as a person. And what the Bible teaches us is that Jesus, our Savior, propitiates the anger of God. As He absorbed on the cross through His blood and death all of God's anger for all of the sins of all of His children. And we're told God has accepted His cross work, which means He has propitiated. He has absorbed all the anger of God for all the sins and all the sinful anger of all of His children. God did not... So listen, God did not stop being angry with us just because Jesus came. God spent His anger that was for us. He spent His anger on His Son. And now we're told that this propitiating Savior of ours understands our temptations and is a great 
and merciful high priest. So take your struggle with anger to him and he will forgive you and he will empower you to turn from anger. I think we're out of time, but is there maybe one or two questions uh, before we close? (laughs) Thank you. All right, let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, that it is a sure guide uh, to us uh, in every aspect of life where we would seek to please you. We pray that you would grace us to not sin in our anger. And whenever we do sin in our anger, and whenever we counsel angry people, may we bring them to a Savior who absorbs your anger for us and who grants us the ability to turn from our anger. God, would you help us in Jesus' name? Amen.